Hello everybody, this is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager, and I'm doing now one of these interviews that I really, really want to do, where I interview regular people about how their lives are happening, and what's going on with them, and all like that, and, you know, and I'm really excited for these types of interviews, so if you want to come on my show and talk to me, then please do, I really want to hear from you, and I want to hear from you basically because I'm pretty convinced that this is going to be one of these transformational events in the world and I wanted to talk about it I want to talk about it with just anybody this is an interview that went very well looking back I'm kind of surprised and whatever that it went as well as it did not for anything that was wrong with her or wrong with me but I thought that I needed to make it anonymous, and it turned out that I really didn't, but I went ahead and kept the anonymity anyway, just because I'm a man of my word, and I like to do what I say I'm going to do. Anyway, so, this is a person that I've actually known for many years, and... It's somebody that you wouldn't think I would have a lot in common with if you know me, but I really like her a lot, you know, as a friend. And I thought you guys ought to hear what she has to say because I think she has a lot of things to say that are, you know, pretty prescient people. Maybe not now, but certainly in the future, what I call the blue-eyed native Chinese speakers. Which, by the way, are people that speak Chinese as a first language that are not ethnically Chinese. Alright, and that's a whole other story for a whole other day. Anyway, so I wanted to talk about this interview because basically, you know, we live in a basically a dividing society. That is a society that is divided and continued to being divided so it's it's like a you know a cell going through mitosis essentially right so a cell splitting up at least that's what some people say I don't know if I think that or not on my better days and I want you to bear in mind that you know in a lot of ways the two of us in this interview are very different but we're we're friends and why can't that happen with other people? Anyway, so I want you especially to to listen to what she has to say about, you know, what's going on in her store. And also in the end, because I think that's a, that's a good philosophy of life. Anyway, have a nice day. And uh, this I call is now being recorded. There's a million podcasts out there. Hello, I'm here with an anonymous person who works in also, the grocery industry, in and she's in also, I guess it'd be fair no, to say to you're an activist, or I'm gonna say you've attended marches, a really or good day. whatever that is. I hope you are, too. Oh, anyway, um, take it away. Yeah, um, I have, uh, when I wasn't working, because one of the worst things about uh, the way the country is now is that you kind of have to have a day off of work so you can go protest. 
because, yeah, you still have to pay the bills, <laughs> and uh, you still got to eat. <laughs> exactly. Um. So yeah, I've. I mean, I'm not like a huge activist, but I do try to um, be active in the community. Uh, as far as um, joining uh, groups that are socially aware and um, groups that try to help the the local community. Um, I uh, I try to do my part in sending like sending out information to people who might not know that there's certain resources that they can get. Uh, there's uh, things in Atlanta where uh, because I do work at a grocery chain and we have a huge amount of um, food waste. Uh, our store has pledged to eliminate food waste um, in the near future, like in the next couple of years. Uh, but I don't really see that plan being implemented, uh, cause there is a lot of stuff that just goes into the garbage. Um, and, but they do try to do things like sell, uh, vegetables that might be very close to expiring, um, for discount rates and doing their best to try to get things out to people, uh, without having to throw that produce away or that particular food item away. Um, and a lot of people are not really aware that you can still eat things after the sell-by date, that they're still good. Um, we actually had to explain that to a lady who wanted to buy a, a, a cake in our store, but the sell-by date was, like, literally the next day, and she didn't want to buy it because she's like, oh, well, it'll be no good to eat by tomorrow. And we had to kind of explain to her, like, no, it's still good to eat. You still have a week after the sell-by date on this particular, you know, item. And she just kind of looked at us like we were crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, sell-by dates are, um, they're just a guideline, you know. You, yeah. You don't, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. it's up for your discretion. It's like, because there's some items that you get in the sell-by date, the next day is, you know, it's green and fuzzy. And then there's some items that, like, you know, you can keep it for a week or two, like milk. Like, you can literally keep milk until the that round part on the jug pops out, you know. Wow. It's, yeah, you you can. And, you know, if if you don't mind your milk tasting certain ways and whatnot, you can keep it till then. And, I mean, heck, that's what the whole little uh, poem Little Miss Muffet was about. Uh, for curds and whey, she was literally eating expired milk. The curds were the wow. cheese curd that was on top of it. The whey was that watery part. You know, when milk separates, you'll, if, you, if wow. you look at it, you'll know what I'm talking about. That's what that poem was about. People no, used to I, eat I that. Know, yeah, I know about <laughs> curds and whey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So at base, this is a history podcast. And the whole reason I'm, I'm putting this in there is because I wanted to create, um, what they call primary source documents for somebody to go back and, and look at, I guess, the COVID-19 pandemic. So, um, so I always ask a couple of questions early in the early in the podcast or try to and the first one is okay when did you become aware of COVID-19 and like in the world when in the world did you become aware of COVID-19 like you know that's kind of hard to to answer like, I wouldn't ever be able to give you, like, an exact, like, you know, on March 3rd at 7 p.m. I couldn't give you an answer like that. Right. 
Um, but I want to say that I had been hearing about it on the news, like in February. And, um, that was before, like, that that was pre-quarantined. And maybe I didn't really start getting really concerned about it until two weeks before the quarantine. Um, where, like, somebody had told me that their grandmother had passed away from it. A friend of mine that I had read about Mm -hmm. on Facebook. Uh, she, uh, mm-hmm. she had, uh, written that her grandmother had passed and it was because of COVID-19. And at the time, I pretty much had the mentality that it was a really bad flu, but there was no, uh, there was no immunization for it. Um, so that kind of alerted me, uh, to be more cautious because I'm immunocompromised. Um, and, uh, I didn't, I, I've gotten, because I am immunocompromised uh, and I have a chronic illness, I've had to have a pneumonia shot. I've had to have a flu shot. I've got immunizations and boosters for things that I haven't had since I was like a little girl. Um, I got immunizations and boosters for things that uh, aren't like prevalent in the U.S., like, you know, typhoid fever and stuff. And it kind of like, like if there's an immunization for it, they gave it to me because they didn't want me to risk the chance of getting sick because of my um, immunocompromised um, system. Uh, right. And, but that was while I was in the hospital, and they were really trying to save my life. Uh, so th- that was about a year ago. But I've had to get boosters since then. Um, so I was a little concerned. I was like, I really don't want to get this really bad flu. Um, that could possibly kill me because, and, and believe it or not, I actually have um, a friend who's had uh, well, for instance, my roommate had a very good friend who died from complications um, from the flu. She ended up getting a flu. Uh, she ended up getting a um, blood clot and ended up dying from the flu because the flu because of the blood clot that she had. The flu like just devastated her body. It caused the blood clot to go to her brain, and um, so it was like she died of blood clot due to complications to the flu. And um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, like, the flu is what killed her. Well, the blood clot is what killed her, but it wouldn't have killed her had it not been for the flu speeding that process along. And so that's how they were looking at me. They didn't want me to die of something as simple as a flu that could, like, be prevented. So I didn't want that to happen to me, and I was concerned. And uh, that was late February, early March, I want to say is when I was, like, actually, like, 100% aware that there is something that was going on that was, like, actually going to affect a lot of us. Um, yeah. If that answers your question. I know I kind of went around so, that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. So you, okay, so so the answer to the question, then, when did you find out about it? And I guess, so when did you realize, oh, this is going to be a, a big deal? Like, um, probably when people started posting that they, uh, uh, had relatives dying from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and when, um, I have a lot of nurse friends too, and, you know, when they started saying, hey, they're starting to, like, pull out the big guns, they're trying to get us to get into the ERs, um, when they started talking about the, uh, max capacities that are in emergency rooms and in hospitals, uh, yeah, because th- there was suddenly a shift in the news. I can't remember what the big story. Oh, because Australia was burning, and then suddenly they started right. talking about the flu. Yeah, 
It was about yeah. that time. Yeah. Yeah. That was the so, big story. <laughs> there's also uh there's another woman that I'm gonna speak to who works in a grocery store. But um what was uh I guess like so working in the the grocery store that you work in, what are some of the I guess like the protocols y'all go through? Now. Well, when you come in, you have to get your temperature checked. Like you clock in, you get a customer service. They check your temperature using the forehead scanner. Um, we're told constantly to wash your hands, wash your hands. Masks are mandatory. Um, in the beginning, I remember wearing a mask to work and was told that we couldn't wear them because customers would be alarmed and it would scare the customers. And then not but three weeks later, they're encouraging us to wear, well, it was like three weeks, a month later, they're encouraging us to wear masks. <laughs> and they're like, okay, so you have to wear a mask when you come to work now. And they were passing out masks to everybody. Um, it, like, like it was encouraged. And then it became mandatory like a couple of weeks after that. Uh, it, it became mandatory when they actually like cracked down on the um Hmm. When they cracked down on the quarantine, because I don't think yeah. we were in quarantine. Yeah, it was like mid-March when they started doing that. And I tried mm -hmm. to wear a mask as soon as I heard about the, like, as soon as I st started seeing the alarm, which was about late February. And then, like, mid-March right. is when they were kind of like, no, you have to, like, wear a mask. And um, there's a lot of policy changes. Like, there was a lot of policy changes. Like, they were just telling us to wash our hands at first. And then they were saying, okay, we're not going to take temperatures. Okay, now we're taking temperatures. Now everybody has to wear, like, nobody wear a mask because it'll scare people. And now everybody has to wear a mask. It was, um, yeah. And then, what? too, with, with the attitude from from the mayor of our, no, the governor of our state, uh, he uh, was not, like, he he's, he's not very serious about the whole pandemic. So people were kind of waiting on him to, say something and I guess they finally just took it into their own hands like a lot of like companies decided like you know what we're going to do our own thing instead of waiting on people to tell us what to do and that's actually I mean somebody made the comment to me or I made the comment to somebody or something I forget but somehow like the general census is or the general consensus is like average people have, have helped out more than the government has which to me, is just sort of like, I don't know, interesting, if I can use that word. Well, yeah, um, and I think that's because, you know, politicians are going to politic. Um, mm -hmm. This is something that's happening. And, you know, I live, a lot of people tell me that I shouldn't live with this, I like, these ideals, because it tends to, like, be ableist and, and um, classist, but I really truly believe that every person's life is political. Everybody who's alive, um, their very existence is, is a political statement, um, especially if you happen to be a marginalized person. I'm a brown woman, uh, uh, identify as a, a Mexican-American. Uh, I also have a chronic illness. I have a mental illness. Um, and, uh, you know, I have these three things. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, four things. You know, I'm a woman. I'm brown. You know, I have disabilities. <laughs> so, um, you know, my existence is 
is is kind of like political policies affect me a lot more than I guess somebody who doesn't live the life that I live. You know, doesn't have my experience to to better term it. Um, and like I said, politicians are going to politic. They're going to, you know, some politicians don't care what anybody thinks, and they do whatever they want to do, and and they base their policies on what they think is best for either their idealisms or the people or, um, you know, whoever's paying them the most. Um, and then there's other politicians mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, they, they, they get in line and they have to follow the leader um, because to them that's like the safest thing um, because they feel like either it's their duty or then if things go wrong, they can always say, well, I was just following policy. And um, it, it's, it's kind of, it's really messed up because, like you said, the thing about the governor and, and some of them not taking it as seriously, the average people are doing a lot more. Um, now, let me ask you this. Um, let's try to focus it back to your, your actual story. Yeah. Um, are, are you aware of any COVID-19 in your actual store or not? Yeah. So okay. far, I think we've had... And I haven't really been keeping track. Okay. But the least amount of cases that I think that we've had is four. Wait, and I wait, think wait. The, when you say, hang on, when you say least amount of cases, you, you mean like, so it fluctuates. So this is like a running tally. Well, no, or, what I mean is, is like, I haven't really, like, I'm not aware of every case that we've had. Exactly. Uh, because they don't tell us what's going on. Occasionally they'll say, hey, another person has been exposed. But they they only did that twice in telling us that people had been exposed. Um, however, there have been more cases. Um, just a heads up to everybody, if you shop at a grocery store, and they normally close at 11.30 or midnight if you live in a city that doesn't have a curfew. Because I know my sister lives two and a half hours away from me, and in the in, and she lives in another major city in the state. And everything in that city closes at 8 o'clock, period. Everything. Um, like maybe there will be a few little gas stations, convenience stores open. But pretty much like all the big chain stores, like, you know, I don't know, like Walmart and the major grocery stores and stuff, but they all close at 8 in, in, in her city. Um, whereas the city that I live in, people just kind of like do what they think is best. And um, we're a little bit more opened up, which is weird because her city is like way more conservative. But um, uh, so word of the wise, like if you're if you're living in a city where they kind of do what they go with the flow and you have, you're you're going to the store, you know that store closes like at – 11:30 every night, and then suddenly they have a sign up saying tonight we're closing at nine. Sorry for the inconvenience. That's because somebody in the store has get, has gotten a case of COVID, and they're bringing in the sanitation people to clean the entire store, um, like the heavy duty sanitation people. Um, uh, and so far that has happened twice that I've been aware of. We've been told that uh, there have been. The two times that they've told us that we've had cases in store, that was at least four people. And so that's six people in total with the two closings and then what we were told twice. 
And then I think there might be two more people. So, like, the total would be eight um, from my estimations from what we've been told. Yeah, eight, which is hard because there's some people who, you know, are going on vacation. You know, summertime, a lot of people have vacation time because we do get vacation time at my company if you've worked there for a year. And then suddenly somebody just, like, disappears for two weeks. Are they on vacation or are they out with COVID? So it's really hard to – because they can't tell us who has it because of HIPAA. Is that well? Is that scary? And and the other thing I have, the other, I mean, I'm aware of HIPAA, but HIPAA only. So, like, for those of you who don't know, um, HIPAA is essentially our, I guess, America's uh, medical privacy laws. But HIPAA, I believe only deals with medical folks like it doesn't like it doesn't deal with like you, you know i could tell you something like or yeah. i could tell right so uh, it sounds to me without putting words in your mouth it it sounds to me like they might be hiding behind hepa because i'm sure their lawyers know that well a lot of um, a lot of people have have speculated that but i kind of understand why they would use hepa because, like, if somebody gets sick in the store, um, let's say somebody was sick and they were asymptomatic for, like, three days uh, before they found out they were sick. Because um, you can actually catch COVID and not have a temperature. Um, so, you know, the temperature things are only there as a precaution. So the only way to know for sure is to actually go get tested. Uh, so if you're showing symptoms and you go get tested and you come back positive, then, like, how long were you in the store positive before you actually got those results? Um, so uh, I think the reason why they keep you anonymous is so people can't come ask you. Like, you know, he has COVID, get him, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's why they're doing that. So you don't, like, make these people pariahs. Um, uh, because right. to me, that would actually be a dangerous thing. Like, you know, you're at the yeah. store. And you, you're sneezing because you think you have allergies or you're coughing because you think you have allergies. But other than that, you feel okay. And then it turns out you're sick. And then everybody's like, you know, oh, my God, he's got COVID. Right. And they right. literally avoid you like you have the plague, uh, for lack of better well, terminology. <laughs> you know, uh, when I go, you know, when I do go out, uh, I like, I don't like to call it, but I, I call it the plague. I purposely <laughs> call it the plague. Because I, I want to focus people's minds up and be like, okay, this is a plague. All right, stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've called it the plague. I call it cooties most of the time because I think, you know, cooties are just nasty. And it takes you back to, like, when you're younger and you're just like, ew. You know, <laughs> so, I know it seems it's immature, but I, I think no, it puts no, you in that right. mindset of just well, like, ew, I don't want to touch them. Or get around right. somebody who might, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's made me hyper aware of everything. Like, I used to go around the store and pick things up off the floor. Like, if I saw, like, a cherry seed on the floor, I would pick it up in my bare hands because I could just go to the restroom right away and wash my hands. Um, I'm not always able to do that. Uh, so, if I see something on the floor, and I, like, even plastic baggies, I don't pick anything up off the floor anymore. I just kind of kick it with my foot out of the way. Um and um, I feel bad because, you know, I like to, you know, I like to help to work out. I like to help out in my store. 
you know, the teamwork, you know, everybody working together to make it a nice place. But, you know, when you work with the public, sometimes you can't always be as sanitary as you want to be. And so I, you know, I'll, I'll drag something with my shoe over to a trash can and then kind of kick it behind the trash can so I don't have to touch it with my actual hands. Um, because I'm trying to keep everybody safe. <laughs> Do you do you remember, or if you haven't already said, do do you remember, or uh, maybe not the exact day, but what time of year it was you first saw one of those? Hey, we're closing tonight at nine. Signs. Oh, um, well, there were. We did have the protest in our city. So we, there was a lot of that during the protest, but that had mostly to do with protest. Um, I think the last time I saw somebody, like the last time our store closed down at nine was maybe three weeks ago. Maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. So, but yeah. when was the first time? Um, do do, do, do. Probably a month or so before that. Wow. Um, uh, it, said- it, the, the pandemic makes, um, because of everything that's going on, so much is happening. Like time has just yeah. become fluid. Distorted. It's, it's yeah, it's so distorted. It's, <laughs> it's just distorted. it's really hard to pinpoint it. Yeah, it is. All right. So you said something just then. Now, now I'm fascinated. Um, okay, you said that your store closed early because of the protests. Yeah. Um. Now, once upon a time. The the protests in Minnesota, uh, they burned down a Target. I don't know if you remember. Um, Yeah, that wasn't too long ago. That was like, what, a couple of months ago? Like May? May? Yeah. I had to look it up for some other reason. So did your store actually think they were a Target? Well, okay, this is what happened. Um, Okay, um, yeah, I'm still here, huh? Okay, so um, it, it wasn't that they they had heard that we were going to be a target. We were actually a target. Um, there's a video on uh, social media, uh, basically the big three social medias: uh, YouTube, Facebook, Snap. Uh, oh, well, not Snapchat, but Instagram, um, of uh, the grocery store that I was that, that I work for uh, being looted. Uh, there was also, because I work in Atlanta, there was also a Walmart that had been looted. There was a Target that had been looted. Um, the Target that had been looted was in the Lindbergh area. I actually live close to that area, uh, and there's a Target close to where I live. And as I was coming home the next night after the riots had broken out, uh, my Target uh, was completely, my neighborhood Target uh, was completely boarded up with police officers in the parking lot. Uh, and it, it stayed that way for a couple of nights. So my grocery store, taking precautions, uh, decided it got a, a, a email from corporate saying, "Hey, we're closing at nine tonight uh, due to the the, the riots because we don't want to get looted." Um, and believe it or not, uh, the grocery store uh, that was in our chain, that is in our district, that got looted, is actually pretty far from Centennial Park. Uh, as far like you couldn't walk there uh, in like five minutes. Uh, it, it's a pretty good walk. So um, 
uh, so it, from Centennial Park, which is the, uh, the epicenter of, of where we had all the riots and, and protests and demonstrations. Um, mm. So, yeah, it, it, they had concern. Um, it, it was mostly because when, when, they, when they hit the grocery store, there were employees in it at the time. They had actually switched over to um, the overnight shift. Um, and there were uh, employees in the store at the time. So they were concerned about our safety, um, which which made me happy because a lot of times, you know, big corporations don't really care about employee safety. Um, so they were they were concerned about employee safety. They were concerned about, you know, losing their product. Um, so, it, uh, and I felt bad because I actually saw pictures of, the grocery store the next day and I was like at least I'm uh because the department that I work in has a lot of glass in it and um, <laughs> I saw what they had done to that department in that particular store and I was thinking about thank god it wasn't in my store because I would not have wanted to clean up that mess <laughs> it wasn't as bad as they made it sound uh but it was um it was it was pretty you know, it was a mess. It, it was a pain. It would have been a pain in the butt to have to, to pick up and clean. So, um, it, I'm 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 glad that it didn't happen to me, but I'm sad that it happened to the other store, and I'm sad that they had to make that decision to close down early to, to keep us from getting looted. Uh, All right, but okay. but that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Now let me ask. Um, Hmm. So, okay. Do you have, I guess you have toilet paper shortages and like everybody else oh. in Atlanta? Oh, yes. We had, uh, things have evened out really, honestly, in the last month. But when um, the pandemic uh, started, when they started quarantine, oh, my goodness, we didn't have anything. And I felt so bad because my grocery store is located in a large um retirement community we have a lot of um old folks homes i know it's a dated term but we have a lot of old folks homes and in our neighborhood and a lot of those people they that's where they get all their groceries and they've been shopping at that grocery store for forever <laughs> and they would come in and i always felt so bad because you know we'd have little old ladies little old men coming in they're like you still don't have any toilet paper and we're like no or we'd have it and we just have like the big jumbo um like the 24 rolls and in the they would just say, well i just only need like four rolls <laughs> i would try to encourage them to buy it but i know a lot of them are, are very fixed income so i always felt bad and um uh but it was it was really hard to get those products in for a while we even had um to put limits on meat like you can only buy two packages of chicken or you can only buy two packages of brown hamburger meat because of the shortages. Um, and we're still having shortages now. I mean, things are pretty much evened out, but we're having shortages. Um, I know, uh, personally, I know beer is one of those things that we're having a hard time keeping stocked. Um, we're still having trouble with like, uh, shelf-stable items like, uh, dried beans. Uh, a lot of seasoning. Uh, nobody can seem to find Old Bay anywhere. People are going crazy over Old Bay. 
<laughs> the second person that's told me that. <laughs> no, the, we... <laughs> you, you, you are the second person that I have interviewed that has said that. Yeah, and, you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> you know, his... I'm gonna. We're gonna have to redo his interview because the the he was in a bad call, you know, a bad cell area. Yeah. So, but he, you know, so we're gonna have to redo it. But that is so. It's it's like it's so weird. Like I remember when the pandemic first got rocking, or whatever, you know, back in March, right? I remember like you couldn't find ground beef but yet and still you could get you know bougie you know really expensive corned beef that mm-hmm. you could just get and so we had like a really nice corned beef meal for we had real, really nice corned beef meals for like a couple of days a few days because it's literally all the meat you could find was like yeah. super expensive corned beef um, there was um, uh, one of the managers in my store had told me that um, it sells in our store because the grocery store I work in is also in a in a community where people are very – we have a lot of vegans and vegetarians and people who are all, like, very um, – they, they like the organic natural foods. And, and that stuff, it makes a lot of money in our store. So, uh, but he was telling us a story about how, like, when there was no bread to be found. He wasn't working in our store at the time. He was actually working in another uh, store in the chain. Uh, he's he's transferred since then uh, to our store. But he was saying that in, in that particular store, nobody would buy Dave's Famous Bread or, or Dave's um, Awesome Bread or whatever it's called. And he and and the bread vendor had come to him and asked him if he could get a display. And he's like, "Dude, it's quarantine, and there's no bread on the shelf except for yours. You think I'm going to give you a display? <laughs> Nobody's going to buy that bread." But I think the reason why is because the store that he was in was in a in a different demographic of a neighborhood, and uh, that bread itself is 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 kind of pricey. So um, maybe in that neighborhood, people just didn't want to spend that much money on a loaf of bread when they could, you know, get our grocery brand for much less. So. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I, I've eaten Dave's. It's, uh, you know, we try to, we try to eat healthier around bread. here. We yeah, try to eat healthier bread. around here. <laughs> but then you're eating the sandwich and you're like, eh, I'm eating a PBJ <laughs> on some really expensive bread. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying, I'm just throwing it out there. Just that, that plain and rich <laughs> GMO white bread. <laughs> I don't eat bread that often because of my of, of my disability, my my congestive heart failure. Um, I, I have to watch my sodium. So even the healthy breads are really high in sodium. So, yeah, uh, uh, I have to buy that special low sodium bread, but not the kind that has zero sodium in it because for – in my personal opinion, for all intents and purposes, you might as well just smear some peanut butter on some cardboard and and have fun eating that. So, <laughs> but that's my opinion of right, of, right. of zero sodium bread. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, for real. Um, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it's it's <laughs> crazy to me. Like, so you know, I've had it's crazy to me. Like buying clippers for haircuts. Like I've I've spent. When I bought my clippers, I had to spend hours, literally hours and hours, 
on the computer just trying to find. And what I had to do is I had to close my eyes and go to the moment. Okay, Ben, you're at the barbershop. You're, you're <laughs> at the barbershop, Ben. Now, okay, the barber, your barber is talking to you, right? He's talking to you. Okay. Okay. He's talking about LeBron James. All right. All right. But you're pretending to care because you don't like basketball. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Now look up and look up right when he's got the clippers right in your head. Look up. What's that? What's that name? <laughs> what, what's that? You know? <laughs> you know? Oh. Yeah. Just, yeah. But, and like I had, when I bought, when the quarantine really got rocking, um, I spent, I don't know how many hours, literally hours and hours on, on the computer looking for toilet paper and they would pull it out of the cart and, you know, like, oh my God. Oh yeah. Like um, we would put it down and it, it, it's, it's kind of like those silly, uh, Facebook videos where they put the zombie noises over it. <laughs> like we would, uh, the, the backstock boys would literally come. The Backstock Boys sounds like a, a band, <laughs> but the Backstock Boys would literally come out into the floor with a pallet and like drop the pallet and take off running with the with the the little uh, pallet um, movie thingy. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> the little forklift so thing, would, wait, and then run back. So when, yeah. Have you? Do you have the parts where? Do you have the people that? Have you seen this? Because I've heard about it. Where you have people. Um, like you'll have a group, like I don't know, you'll have um like a you know, people come in a car and you'll have somebody stand right when the toilet paper delivery is being made and you'll have somebody go into the store and buy the toilet paper and then take the toilet paper off the truck. Oh no. I, I've I've never seen that, but I kind of um have I kinda try to stay in my department as much as I possibly can. Um uh, I, I know it's going to sound terrible because I'm going to out myself, uh, but um, I'm not the biggest person. Like I'm an excellent uh, customer service person. However, um, sometimes because uh, when I first started working uh, in my very first jobs and everything like that, I was I'm very customer service oriented. However, customers kind of killed that in me, so now um, I try to avoid customers as much as I can. <laughs> And if I stay in my little section, I don't have to deal with them as much. Not because I don't want to help them and whatnot, but sometimes, you know, you get you get some of them that kind of try your patience and whatnot. And um, I have a thousand other things that are going on. And not that I don't mind helping people. It's just if I can avoid any potential conflict <laughs> while I'm at work, <laughs> I try not to, you know, um, um, go out of my way a lot of times. So I, I tend to stay in, in my little section and, and not really pay attention to what's going on in the store as much as, as what I need to do. Um, but I have seen things. Um, we Other things that are is hard for us to keep in stock in the store are um, like Lysol wipes, any, any kind of disinfecting wipes, uh, any kind of bleach, um, basically any household cleaners. Uh, that you, like Lysol, bleach, um, yeah, those two things. Uh, oh, alcohol, hand sanitizer. Although hand sanitizer, we have been starting to get that back in our store now. Um, uh, but it's not great big bottles. It's, it's, it's little, little, um, 
my personal five uh, bottles of it. Uh, but those are things that are, are that we definitely like, hardly ever keep in, in in stock. And when we do see them, like I'll go and I'll put them out on the shelf. Uh, but I usually will like um, uh, E41 out. E40 is basically like buying it for the store um, to keep uh, in my desk because you know uh, I like to sanitize my area. I have a lot of people that come to my my desk area and use my computer, and so I'm constantly wiping it down um, to to keep that area clean. And um, so I'll I'll take one just for store use uh, because even sometimes the store doesn't even have uh, what we need to keep things clean uh, as far as sanitizing wipes and um, uh, paper towels and whatnot because uh, those are hard for us to get into stock too. Uh, if, if customers are, are are not able to get paper towels or toilet paper, um, we don't we we don't have those things either. So um, there's been times where I'm at work and I have to go use the restroom and there's no toilet paper. <laughs> it's like oh no. So <laughs> it's it's been it's I understand everybody is has been struggling with that, but it's not as bad as it was at the beginning of the pandemic. Um. Yeah. Which I think, yeah. like, there was, I think there was a lot of hype about the toilet paper and food and whatnot and, and shortages. I think we, we as consumers created our own shortage. Um, I don't know if, if you had heard uh, all the, these people buying up all this oh, toilet yeah. paper and hoarding it. Um, I don't know if you had seen the, yeah. um, or if you had ever heard the story, but you know, back in the seventies when we were having the gas shortage, um, what was his name? The late night show host, Johnny, um, Johnny Carson, Johnny Carson. Yeah. Johnny Carson <laughs> created a toilet paper shortage. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, he was actually talking about it. You can actually look this uh, video up on YouTube. He was talking about the shortages and stuff like that. And basically saying like, like it's a lot of psychological um, things going on when it comes to shortages and whatnot. And he goes, and, and then the things that we, we say on television, he goes, people believe anything that they see on TV. And you know, he went, he, he said a little speech about it and like, he didn't go into a lot of detail. He was very vague. And he says like, for instance, he goes, there's going to be a toilet paper shortage. And, you know, he just dropped it. He goes, if I said that, y'all would believe it. And the next day people went out and started crazily buying toilet paper and yes yeah for real this actually happened uh there's news articles and whatnot on it and uh because they had a toilet paper shortage back then too and it was all because he said people believe whatever they see or hear on television and i and i often wonder with our with the shortages that we have we, we we've dealt with recently if that wasn't what was going on with us did we psych ourselves out you know so um, well, what it, it I, makes me what wonder. I, <laughs> what I wonder about is like, what I really wonder about, honestly, is I look around and, and like I see, um, just, you know, like I'm looking at the world that I live in specifically and I'm like, you know, I wonder how much longer it's going to be before you start getting electricians out here to rewire some of these houses for 
like the super fast internet, the super duper crazy fast internet that doesn't really exist yet that that we're going to need because they're saying this is going to be forever or, you know, basically not forever, but, you know, a couple of years out, four years out. Yeah, you mean Whatever as far as, like, uh, people having to use it for work and for school? Exactly. Like, I mean, okay, like, we, I have, I'm lucky, I, I have pretty fast internet now, but I can't send somebody an entire podcast. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't ship, ship you a really huge file. Right? And that's what I'm saying. Like, I could totally see it. But, um... Let's see if I oh yeah. And which brings me to my personal favorite question that I always ask people. How do you think the world is gonna change because of this pandemic? Well, I think I think the world as a whole um might not change that much. Uh It's, it's it's hard for me to say because you know I have I, I, you know me um, I, you you know me from way back so um, you know I traveled uh, as as a military brat yeah, uh, yeah. to different countries so um, I'm and different countries do things different differently um, and I, I couldn't really answer that question for for that um, but I think. Well, how is our country going to change? Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I don't know. Because uh, from speaking as somebody who's actually lived in other countries and then looking at Americans the way that people in other countries look at us, um, we're not a very community-minded country or culture. Um, we kind of put, and I was talking to my roommate about this, and he didn't like exactly how I, I uh, worded it because um it tends to lean into a, a certain political ideology but I, I think we put the individuals first in america too much that we're not very community minded uh it's basically like i got mine so you know i got mine good luck to everybody else and um we're very egocentric like if it's not happening to us it doesn't really matter <laughs> And that kind of concerns me because I do know, like, in countries in Japan, they've been wearing masks forever uh, because, you know, it's just polite. And, and, and they they instill in, in people from a very young age a sense of community. Like, they don't have janitors in their schools. The children in the schools help keep the schools clean. They stay after for a little while, you know, every day from school, and they clean up the the um, the classrooms and the lunchroom. Um so, you know, they have a sense of community from, from a very small age. Like, we all have to take care of each other because we're all in this together. Um, but it's not so much that way in America. I, I feel like we used to have that mentality. Uh, we, we were a little bit more community-minded. Uh, yeah. Because I, I remember my mom, you know, you hear the stories from our parents who, you know, greatest generation in, 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 the, in the boomers and the silent generation. Um, they would tell us, you know, grandparents tell us to, uh, you know, when I grew up, we never had to lock our doors. You know, everybody in town knew each other. Um, and, you know, my mom told me, she goes, we never locked the door. Like, not even at night. 
She goes, who was going to, like, knew each other? So she goes, it's not that there wasn't crime. It's just it wasn't as bad as it was, you know, nowadays. And I often yeah, wonder, like, 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 why would you steal from your neighbor? Because you know what your neighbor had yeah. and whatever. Like. And, yeah, and then not only that, like, you could you you could rely on your neighbor if you needed help. You could go to your neighbor and ask, like, hey, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little short on groceries this month, and your neighbor's like, oh, honey, you know, don't even worry about it. We'll help you out, you know. Um, and, and you know, and it, it was that way in the South for a very long time too. Um, you know, we had that Southern hospitality, but it's not so much that way anymore. Like, do you, I know where I live, uh, I live in an apartment building and I know my, and unfortunately because of, of the pandemic, we've had a lot of people move out in, in my stairwell. Uh, we have six apartments in my stairwell and only three are occupied right now. Um, I know then my neighbors who live on the top floor, um, in one of the apartments. Um, but the neighbors who just moved in directly above me, I don't know them. All I know is they have a, a like a little girl. Because uh, I can hear her playing, uh, but I don't know them yet. I haven't introduced myself to them. Uh, so, uh, but like that's the thing that we don't do anymore, and um, I don't think that's going to change. It's uh, funny because it, it, it's funny because you say that, and I've got the other. I mean, not the other side, but I mean, like, okay. I lived in this apartment that I might well say where it was, but I lived in this apartment that was in a quote unquote nice part of town, you know, and it was a nice apartment, but there was stuff going on. <laughs> there, there were things going on. And I remember, like, I remember the lady, for some reason, there were a whole lot of college kids living in that apartment, like a whole lot. And I remember this lady working in the front front office who was telling these children, literally to my eyes, children, right? Like right out of mommy and daddy's house, blah, 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 right? And she was literally saying to them, you know, whatever you do, don't knock on your neighbor's door because you don't know what's on the other side of that door. That door keeps you safe just like it keeps them safe, <laughs> you know? And well, I guess I guess there's you know good chances make good neighbors, but you know I don't know. I, it yeah. seems to me like it seems to me like just you know majoring in history like I like I did. I I have a better sense of history than a lot of people our age, you know. But it seems to me that we grew up in a really, really scary time, and we just never realized it because it's what we knew. Oh, well, okay, so that was going back to that political ideology that I was talking about where my roommate didn't like how we push individualism. I want to say that we had a sense of community up until they started propagating the Red Scare, and then the individual became more important, you know, uh, especially, like, you know, because both you and I were children. We grew up in the 80s and, and, and in the 90s. Uh, you know, we attended school starting early 80s and went to uh, uh, finished high school mid-90s. So um, it was kind of like, do, do, uh, 
you know, in the 80s, it was all about consumerism. It was about you, you know, it's like, it's all about me, it's all about me and how much money I have and, and, and how great I look and how much I can consume. And then in the 90s, we had that kind of nihilistic, um, like nothing really matters, you know, we're all going to die anyway. And and those are two very, very selfish um, ways of looking at life. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if I help you or not because we're all going to die. Um, but it, it actually, to me, it actually does help. Um, I mean, it does matter because it does matter if you help people because, you know, humans are social creatures. Uh, the old saying, saying no man is an island. We We cannot do things. Uh, yeah. all by ourselves all the time. Well, um, let me, let me and, ask, yeah. Just let me ask you this, because this, this thought that we could run off on this tangent occurred to me, yeah. and I would love to run off on this tangent with you. Um, so when I went to, got my ma- when I got my master's, I was living around these people, these very young people, you know, like college age, like you know, but it occurred to me, like, living with them, I was like, we were not this way. I kept saying that to my friends and whatever. Like, we were not this way when we were 18. Like, we were, like, we weren't this isolated from each other. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I kept running into these kids that would tell me, like, I've never met a friend in my life. I've never made a friend in my life. And I'm like, wow. And being as you work in the grocery business, you probably work with younger people, too. Mm-hmm. And I, have you noticed that, that they, these kids seem um, isolated? Yes. And, and, you know, I there's a lot of things that have happened. Um, yeah, I have I have kids. I have children. Um, my, they're not little kids anymore. They're, they're grown. Um, my daughter is 24. My son is 21. Um, and I asked my son, uh, once, uh, where do y'all hang out? Cause you know, they don't have malls. I mean, they have malls, but the malls are dying. Uh, and he was like, well, you know, we, we go to like Centennial Park. Um, and, and, you know, we hang out there. Uh, we go to each other's houses. Uh, you know, but those are things like, you know, that's what we did when we were young. We went to each other's houses. But there was no, like, community, um, for lack of better terminology, community centers. Not, like, an actual community center. But there wasn't the mall. There was not the movies. There's there's not, like, the cool little hangouts that we, we had um, as we were growing up. Um, like, they don't yeah. even hang out, like, in, in – in, and I know this is really popular out in the more – rural parts of our state, so, like, they don't even have, like, uh, I mean, gas station parking lots where they hang out. Okay, and that's Um, something something else I wanted to talk to you about, uh was that, okay, I never really lived in the rural parts of this state too much. Mm -hmm. You know, I did a little bit, but not nearly as long as you did. Um, I was just, like, what... Okay, like, what's the big difference to you between the rural parts of Georgia and, say, the the urban parts of Georgia or the suburban parts or whatever? Like, what's the big difference? There's a lot more. uh, You want to talk about isolation? There's a lot more isolation out there. When I lived out there, my my closest neighbor, um, 
my closest neighbors were my dad and then this lady who lived in the house near mine. Um, okay. I could see she now she lived close to me and we waved to each other. We said hi to each other and you know she, she would let her like let my children when they were smaller pet her dogs and whatnot. And she was always really nice. She always told us we could go get whatever we wanted at her vegetable garden. But um, we were still pretty isolated out there. Uh, my dad lived like maybe three football fields away from where I lived. <laughs> Like, I couldn't see his house through because there was a tree line and whatnot, and it was a good, like, um, 10-minute walk to his house from, from well, from to his house trailer from my house trailer. Um, and uh, so we were pretty – it was eight miles into town if you wanted to see people. So there's a lot of isolation out there. And, you know, when you live out in the country, unless you had satellite, you didn't have, like, all these major news channels and whatnot. You had the local news. Um, like, um, in Georgia, you have, like, you know, Fox 5. Well, that's Atlanta, but you had, like, the local Fox station, the local WS. Well, I know in, in um, Augusta, you have, like, Channel 2, WSB TV. Um, and you have, like, a couple of other, like, little, little um, you know, you, you have, like, the major news networks, but it was, you know, the local news. Um, you know, and they do the little spotlight on the national news here and there, but it, it wasn't, like, constant, like, CNN or... Fox or, you know, whatever news channels, um, because you didn't have cable unless you had satellite. And a lot of people who lived out in the country didn't have cable um, because it, the county that I happened to live in was, it was not the richest county in the world. In fact, uh, the county is so poor that kids, all, like everybody in the county qualifies for free lunch. It doesn't matter what income you have. Everybody qualifies for free lunch. So they just do free lunch at the schools. Um, so, uh, you know, they, and they do that based on the income of the people who live in that county. Uh, so it, there's a lot of, it's, it's really isolated. Um, so you don't always get like a major worldview, um, living in that, living in an environment like that. Um, and then too, right. like everybody pretty much knows each other's business. Um, like that country song, everybody's famous in a small town. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, because because everybody knows everybody. Um, and even if you don't know somebody, you know somebody who knows somebody who knows them. You know, it's like well, there's like three degrees of separation, basically. <laughs> like like a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine said, um, his grandpa had a had a plumbing business, <laughs> and he said like everybody knew who we were, like everybody, you know. We visited everybody. Everybody yeah. knew who we were. <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's true. Like, I meet people. Like, I've met people from his little town, right? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because I, I live way far away from his little town, right? And they know this kid. Like, they know this guy. They know his people. They, they know all, all his his siblings' kids. It, it's crazy town. Yeah. And, like, and even if people don't know you, they know of you. Like, for instance, I, I know I was called many times that blankety blank from the drive-in restaurant. So, oh, that's that blankety blank from the drive-in restaurant. So, oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, yes, yes, I am her. That I am she. She is me. Jesus, Jesus. So, yeah. But, I mean... But, you know, people, you, you live there and you, you know everything. That's part of the reason why I had to move away because of um, my dating history there. 
and, and I won't get into the story with that. But um, no, that's cool. I mean, I, I dated is... it. Yeah, I, I dated the mm-hmm. son of a very prominent figure in that town, and it kind of just like made the small town paparazzi jump on me, and that was a re- uh, one of the reasons I decided to move away from the small town. <laughs> I love the um, anonymity of, a, of a, a big city. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares. <laughs> Well, it's funny you say that because I mean I lived, I was right downtown. Like I, I when I lived in Atlanta, I lived basically in I lived at Lindbergh and I lived in Buckhead, and I, but I also lived right downtown. And the funny thing is, when you live right downtown, at least then, which wasn't really that long ago, you did actually it was like a small town, you know? Yeah. Like it actually what, and you I mean. What's crazy to me is there was a, there was a, a, um, I guess in New York they would call it a a bodega. I don't know what the the word for it is here, but like a little shop. And he had like, well, sure, but I mean, there was no parking lot. It was just like you walk into it. Yeah. And like, he had like a running tab for the people who he knew. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. And he keep a running now, that's an and running. Thing. Well, you know, and I don't know, but he said like this thing has been around forever. Like this store has been around like for eons. I don't know, but it wasn't in that space for eons. I'll tell you that. But <laughs> he kept a tab. So you know, I mean, or like my so. Three generations of men in my family had bought shoes from the same store. And so when I returned, I would return shoes to the store. And they pointed, they'd point to the sign, you know, no, no returns. And so the owner, the, the owner's kid comes up and no, 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 he can, he gets to return shoes. His people have been buying shoes here for 80 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he can return. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess it, it does come down to like who you know sometimes, but um, yeah. that that was one of the things that I, I actually um, drew me back to the city. Um, but as far as the pandemic, like in in a small town, it's it's pretty isolated out there, and uh, I don't think it would um, like my father who was out in the middle of the country. Um, you know, he wears a mask when he goes into town. But outside of seeing, you know, the people who who immediately live with him, like there's nobody right. else out there. Um, you know, he he's got a huge huge front yard. He he, he kind of reminds me of Hank of the Hill because I mean King of the Hill, Hank Hill, because he likes to mow his grass. Right? Like that's his favorite thing to do. And he'll he'll be out there on a little um, riding mower and doing the little uh, baseball diamonds on, on the front of the yard, you know, Lord. how they have, like, the checkerboard. Yeah. I mean, hey, he's an old man. It gives him joy. So <laughs> I, right. wish, I wish right. I could enjoy mowing the lawn as much as he did. I don't have a lawn because I live in apartments, but when I did have a, a, a yard that had grass in it, I wish I had gotten that much joy <laughs> from mowing the lawn as he did. Um, right. As a matter of fact, I, I it got to a point where I just would ask my father to come over and mow my lawn because he he was like, oh yeah, I'll mow it, yay! Like I get to mow another lawn. So. <laughs> but um, 
the things you do when you're retired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but like out there. Um, and then going back to the question about about kids, uh, my roommate actually made a uh, statement about that. He says there's no scene. He says it's more like a whole bunch of like little clicks. There's really no scene. Like um, he, my my roommate was a very prominent figure in the punk scene in Atlanta. He had a uh, a band that was uh like one of the more up and coming bands in Atlanta in the uh uh in the nineties. And I want to uh, talk to him. Yeah, you you have to talk to him at one time. Because, uh, you know he, he also he's also an actor now and um he's actually got a really good uh he loves to be interviewed. Yeah. I'll 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 get you his credentials. But um he yeah. uh He's like, there's no scene now. Cut this part out. Yeah. Okay. Say that again where your roommate, okay, wait, hey, say again, your roommate says there's no scene. Try not to name drop his prominent band from the 90s. Try very hard not to do that. (laughs) I don't want to, how much legwork they're going to. I don't think I actually mentioned his his band name. I just said it was a prominent band in, in the city of Atlanta. So, all right, um, all right. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, but, yeah, okay, so roommate, I do want to interview him, though, for real. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. That's okay, I used to edit movies, too. I can cut. I just can't <laughs> bleep. I can cut. I just can't bleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you want me to start? So, your roommate was saying there's no scene. Start there. Yeah, there's, Okay. So my roommate was saying there's no scene in Atlanta. Like there's no punk scene, there's no um like heavy metal scene. Uh there's just mostly cliques. Like people who like the same thing but they get together in cliques and it's like maybe a group of like five people here, four people there, but it's not like those groups getting together. It's not the small groups making a bigger group. Um and I think that's another thing like you were saying about how the kids feel isolated. Um, because especially now with the quarantine, because there's nothing you can do, but I think that's how, why they feel isolated now because things have changed so much. Uh, I used to like to hang out in Little Five Points in uh, Atlanta, and that area has changed so much in the last 20 years. It's like just, it's not the cool place to go and hang out now. It's like either you're down there shopping or or dining out, or yeah, but you're we're just not taking up space. Yeah, but I'm going to push back a little bit. We're not mm-hmm. cool anymore. I mean, we're we're cool <laughs> to us and we're cool to to our friends, but you know, like we're not. You yeah, know? it's become it's become well. It, it, what I'm saying is, it's become more like a tourist spot because, like, when we used to hang out there, you never saw nine year olds on skateboards. You never saw people nope. bringing their families there. And that's and something. I mean, yeah, I say this all the time. And everybody else is like, what the hell are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And what I say is, I think what this pandemic is going to show us for real, for real, for real, is that this whole push that we had or that some people had to turn our cities into Disney World was really Yeah, I was about to say that. I was going to say it's Disneyfication. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this, this idea that we had or that somebody had, to turn our cities into Disney World was a really, really stupid idea. Like, there's a guy that, um, well, there's a guy I know. Now I'm, I'm going to tell his story. Now he's not going to come on the podcast. 
But there's a guy I know who lives, um, he lives right around the way from Centennial Park. He can mm-hmm. actually see Centennial Park, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not a conservative or anything like that. But to him, like, his attitude now about the protests and the marches is like, okay, yes, yes, yes. I get it, I get it, I get it. Yes, the world is hard, blah, blah, blah. However, you're, you know, when you set fires and blah, 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 you know, um, you're, you know, you're infringing on my peace and, and whatever. And it did, but listening to him talk and watching the videos and stuff, it occurs to me like they're not, they're not doing what they would do in Detroit. Like they're not back in the sixties or whatever. They're not hitting up the, the corner store. They're hitting up CNN. They're hitting up, you know, parks and, and, whatever and you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah because that park the, the centennial park that was there wasn't it like a a, a, a apartment complex at one point I'm, i don't I'm remember what that, was there i'm not that old i don't know what was there before but i do know that like what strikes me for real is that you know I don't care what you think about these protests or or riots or whatever you want to call them. I don't care what you think. The point is, like, when these, you know, if it gets so bad that these businesses leave, you know, there's not going to be a push to, to, you know, for the for the gentrifiers or whatever. There's not going to be a push from them to, to rebuild these places. <laughs> you know? You know what I'm saying? It's just to me, it's, this is going to be really bad if they don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it, it it just to me it, it always just kind of like it, it hurts my heart when they do try to Disney five things. Um, yeah. I have friends. I have friends who live in um, New Orleans who are saying that that's actually what's happened to the city after uh, Katrina devastated it. And they began to rebuild. Uh, they were pushing more and more and more to make it like a family-friendly place to come and visit. And you know, my You're pushing is actual, not. Yeah, You're pushing it, it, out it, actual residents. You're, yeah, you know. Yeah. And when I lived in Savannah, I saw that. Like I saw that up close. Like when you make something into a theme park, you don't have actual residents there. You know, so, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it becomes more dangerous, not less. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, eh. I don't know. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Yeah. (laughs) I'm off my soapbox. Well, I mean, I I, I don't mind you getting on your soapbox because, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, Progress is not progress unless everybody benefits from it. You know, there right. everybody there has like even if you're just benefiting through residual beneficial. Um, I can't think of the, the terminology, but if it's a residual benefit, like for instance, it, you may not benefit from it directly, but like if it helps somebody that you know and and they got that help right. then and then you're happy they were able to get the help that they needed then it benefited you too because you know positive mental state and and, and you're they're yeah. happy so you're happy um so well but that that's i mean like oh. the thing about 
I'm sorry, but the thing about Savannah was these houses were becoming so valuable that you really couldn't live in them. Like, it just, it wasn't responsible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, well, that's kind of how it is in Atlanta, too. Uh, like, with the, yeah, the rent going no. so crazy high. Um, me and my roommate were just having a discussion about how we might have to move away from this apartment to a more affordable one. Um, because, uh, he moved in in 2010 and the rent was 475 and now we pay almost $1,100 in 10 years. It's gone up that much. Um, and I remember living in an apartment in Atlanta, like we, when my dad retired from the military and we moved back to Atlanta and we got an apartment, like the rent, like literally barely went up like a hundred dollars in the, like say 1989 to, um, 1995. Yeah. Like we were barely paying more than a hundred dollars in that, that time span of the rent going up. Whereas here in 10 years, um, yeah, it, it was, it's, it's wow. But then again, you know, we lived in an apartment complex that was owned by the same person for the entire six years that we lived in that apartment complex. Uh, whereas here, uh, in the first three years that I moved here, we had six different property managers. And, um, going back to remember how I told you we have three apartments that are empty because of the pandemic in my, my particular stairwell. Uh, there are a lot of empty, there are a lot of empty apartments in this apartment complex now. Um, and because my dad, we, um, you, you know me from when we were in high school, you knew my dad ran that, uh, he was the property manager of the apartment complex that I, that, you know, I lived in. And my dad one time told me, he goes, if you want to know if they're paying the rent, if the rent that they're charging is actually, uh, a good amount of rent to be paying, he goes, ask them what their occupancy rate is. And um, I don't know if, it, if that's changed, but uh, he told me the ideal occupancy rate was around, like, 80%. Um, if you have 80% occupancy rate, 80, like, 80 to 85, I think that's what he said, uh, that means the rent is exactly where it needs to be. Anything lower, the rent is too low. Anything higher, the rent is too high. And that's how he always explained it to me. Now, somebody can, somebody probably listen to the podcast and is like, that's BS. I'm just telling you what I was told and what I remember. And you have to remember, I am 42 now, and that was back when I was 16. So a lot has happened since then. <laughs> and I might not remember it correctly, but that's what I was told. And I'm looking around at a lot of these apartment complexes here, and they have a lot of empty apartments. And um, I'm going to do the fourth thing. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have any profound words? <laughs> Tell the internet. Uh, wash your hands. <laughs> Wear your mask. Uh, I don't like wearing my mask either, but I wear it. I have to wear it for eight hours a day, and I have not died of um, uh, carbon monoxide poison yet. <laughs> um, and take care of each other. We need each other right now. Uh, don't worry about politics. I know a lot of people get really big into it and 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 everything, but you know, start looking at at the people around you as as people. Start looking at them like you know, care about them. Actually, get to know them. Um, start talking to people. Learn their stories. Uh, I myself have uh, uh, learned that you know we're not all that different from each other. Uh, 
I talk to people all the time. Uh, it's not that hard uh, to understand where people are coming from because a lot of times, even though we might have different ideologies about things, um, if you really listen to people at, at the core, we um, we all kind of want to get better about doing everything uh, and taking care of each other and looking out for each other. We might not always agree on how that is going to get done, and that's where politics comes in. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think I really honestly believe that everybody is is good deep down inside and that, you know, some of us have lost our way and that we just need to talk to each other and let other people know, you know, hey, man, I care about you or, you know, hey, girl, you know, keep your head up. And, and, you know, if you need to talk, I'm here. Um, Get to know your neighbors. That's one thing. Get to know your neighbors. You know, in spite of what you said, knock on your neighbor's door and be like, "Hey, man, um, I live next door to you, and uh, I brought over some cookies." And you know, talk to people. Um, well, start getting that sense know, of community back. Right. <laughs> and I hope that's what COVID, the quarantine or whatever this is going to be. I hope that's what happens. I hope so too. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. But uh. Hmm. Anyway, well, I'm going to run, and you have a nice day. You too, huh? And, uh, <laughs> okay, bye-bye. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>